GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade, your Simpsons podcast uh, hosted by Craig WK and Sean the Arcade Phantom. Sean, always wonderful to be chatting with you about the Simpsons, uh, as always. Uh, so, Sean, we uh, we have a, a, a very political episode today. Uh, two cars in every garage and three eyes on every fish. This one's very political and still kind of relevant today. I mean, we're finding that a lot of Simpsons episodes, even from back then, are pretty relevant today. Uh, and, and this one is, is kind of particularly relevant today. Uh, but, uh, Sean, when did this episode first come out? November 1st, 1990. Yeah, so in this episode, Mr. Burns is forced to deal with state inspectors, causing him to drink in depression until Homer gives him the idea to run for governor. Yeah, so this is basically the story of a billionaire making a political run with no experience in the field and then being super evil and corrupt behind the scenes. You know, it's Lex Luthor when he became president well, of the United yeah, States. yeah, Lex Luthor from the comics and nothing else. And nothing else. So, Sean. Yeah, remember when Lex Luthor ran on that big anti-Superman like plan? He was like, no illegal aliens from space. It, it is a very, very suspiciously like Lex Luthor. You're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, Sean, would you like to know what was kind of going on around the world at this time? Yeah, what's going on around the world right now? So, I mean, obviously, we, we've been chatting a lot about, like, the, the Gulf War revving up and things like that happening. Uh, but actually, uh, there's a uh, – from the Detroit Free Press, because we're in metro Detroit area, from back in 1990 here uh, on uh, November the 1st, uh, we have uh, – uh, the the primary story at that time was that GM was going to close more plants by 1993. Uh, now, for, for those of you who are unaware, uh, maybe who don't live in the Michigan area, uh, there was a, uh, I, I think it was in, what, the, the late 70s? Uh, GM closed their plant in Flint, Michigan. And when they closed their plants in Flint, Michigan, the entire economy just tanked. The entire city of Flint was relying on on these this car plant, and GM abandon them they they moved their like plan out and i moved it to like mexico or whatever and i uh, and yeah they uh i uh, the the city was just like devastated and flint michigan will be referenced in the simpsons later down the road of course which is kind of why why i wanted to, to bring this up uh but you know even right now in 1990 uh years after the fact gm is still in the process of closing down plants uh to try to save themselves some money i mean honestly we're gonna see this later on in the simpsons this season because we're gonna go to detroit at some point this season and go to the auto industry. Ah, yes, that will happen later down the road in this season, even. Uh, now, uh, uh, and, and for those of you who who uh, are familiar with this, it might even be because of uh, what was his name? Michael Moore uh, did a uh, documentary called like Bull. Uh, what was it again? I, uh, I uh, the one on Flint, Michigan. I don't remember his Flint one. 
it, it was actually like I, he himself is is a little on the weird side. He's kind of a weird guy. Uh, but th- that documentary, I remember uh, uh, thinking was done pretty well. It's it's basically all about, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the devastation that happened at Flint, Michigan. Uh, you know, I. Uh, uh, you know, because of the car plant uh, uh, moving out. Uh, Roger and Me, I believe is what it's called. Is that right? Yeah, Roger and Me uh, was uh, uh, the 19, uh, yeah, 1989 film uh, by Michael Moore, which uh, was about Flint, Michigan. Uh, and uh, yeah, it looks like it was in 1978 uh, is when the, the plant closed down, uh, roughly around then. Uh, so late 70s. But, uh, yeah, Sean, what do you have uh, for us? Yeah, uh, you never have happy news, do you, Craig? No, not usually, no. Uh, the the new the world's a really rotten, terrible place. Life is a never-ending torrent of misery, Sean. I don't know what to tell you. Well, young Sean was not upset during this time period. No? Because Mega Man 3 came out in November of 1990. Really? Yeah, we got Mega Man 3, one of that's, the greatest games of all time. That's awesome. Mega Man 3 is one of the greatest video games of all time. I, I would make the claim that it is maybe even the best Mega Man game of all time. It's kind of a rushed hack job. I love it, but it's got a lot of glitches and flaws in it. Sure. But it is fantastic. So the world of video games is a happy place right now, while the world of everything else is really depressing. This is uh, the, the, uh, the very first Mega Man game I ever owned, Mega Man 3. I don't know that I would have bought it in 1990. It was probably actually it might have been like a Christmas present that year. Could very well have been. I uh, so getting back to the Simpsons. Yeah. Just a little bit of trivia about this episode before we even get into it. Oh, this episode won an environmental media award. Really? Yeah, because of its message about nuclear waste and toxic waste dumping. Interesting. And that's not really a big focal point of this episode. It's got a little bit of it. Oh yeah, it's not it's not the 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 primary uh, uh, emphasis of this episode by any stretch of the imagination. It's more political, uh, but uh, but no, that it's interesting. It, it, and I mean, you know, even at the start of the episode, we're gonna see that. So uh, the episode begins, and Bart and Lisa are at the old fishing hole, uh, which is by the nuclear power plant. Uh, now. Uh, a character who will appear throughout later in the series uh, uh, arrives. He pulls up in the car, which is kind of weird. Like, I, maybe it's because it was the 90s, but, like, there were abduction reports from before the 90s. And this random dude just pulls up. Oh, yeah. G.I. Joe told me not to talk to strangers back then. Yeah. And so this guy walks up and he introduces himself as an investigative reporter named Dave Shutton. Uh, and he asks what the, the kids are up to, and I, I, I... Later on, we learn that Kent Brockman hates Dave Shutton. Really? Yeah, when he's trying to figure out about who shot Mr. Burns, Kent Brockman tells him, do your research, Shutton. Oh, that's right, he does! <laughs> it's great that they keep the name. Yeah. That's it's interesting. I... Uh, so, uh, uh, Lisa, uh, so, you know, the guy, the reporter asks what they're using as bait. Lisa says that she use, uses nothing and she prefers the tranquility and uh, Bart's using worms. Uh, and the guy asks Bart, like, what his name is. And Bart's like, uh, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? And the guy's like, he's like, well, and then I'm Dave Shutton. And he says, you know, in my time, when I was a little boy, we didn't talk to adults that way. And Bart Simpson is like, well, it's my time, and we do talk to adults this way. I kind of gained that attitude from Bart as a kid. I mm-hmm. would say I'm 
Sean, who the hell are you? I, I would say that my parents would get really mad at me. That's great. <laughs> but it just rubbed off on me. I loved Bart, and I love that kind of in-your-face cocky attitude, and that's why I've always been a jerk. That I mean, you are a jerk. I'm a jerk. I always was. I was always a jerk to authoritarian figures, and that was probably because of Bart Simpson. It, yeah, I mean, it probably was, in all honesty. Uh, so Bart catches something while Dave Shutton's there, and it's a fish. And it has three eyes. It's another first appearance. Blinky the three-eyed fish. Ah, yes. Blinky. Who I uh, is, is, I mean. He's part of a series of three-eyed fish? I, I was going to say he, he has to be because, I mean, this is Blinky's first appearance and his last because Blinky is dead in this episode. <laughs> Poor Blinky. We hardly knew ye. Uh, so I, I. You know, they they catch Blinky, and the uh, the story gets told, of course, by Dave Shutton, uh, and so it gets printed in the Springfield Shopper, which is a free newspaper, which is what Shutton works for. Mm-hmm. We've learned time and time again he'll say he's from the Sh- Springfield Shopper. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And some of his stories later in the uh, the series will appear there. Uh, I, I do love that the newspaper article says. Boy was using five-pound tests in ordinary worms. Sister was just there for tranquility. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, that was great. And so the scene transitions, and Bart is putting the story in a scrapbook that's filled with his antics. Like, it has the, the Jebediah Springfield statue's head being cut off and stuff. Bart scrapbooks, but but for his, his childish antics. I mean, wouldn't you... If you cut the head off a statue, wouldn't you want the news article about you doing that to be in there? Even if you felt bad about it, it's something that's, yeah, that's going to be remembered for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's very, very true. I'll give you that. Uh, so the uh, like the news uh, refers to it as fission hole or fission hole, uh, and, uh, and they call it the fish flap. So here's a question for mm-hmm. you, Craig. Were you ever featured in any of the local newspapers? I don't think so, no. I had made it into one of the newspapers when I was a little kid. I don't remember where. I've got it scrapbooked, actually, which Uh made me think of this. Because I did, like, some book thing where you raised books for underprivileged kids who couldn't have books. Yeah? I I was a very active and very, like, socially conscious kid growing up. Well, I'll be thanked. I did a lot of things like, you know, getting food for earthquake relief victims and things like that. And I was mentioned in the newspaper a couple times as a kid, and I remember keeping those things. So this always kind of related with me of Bart. I never thought I would ever say this in my entire life, but you're a kinder man than I am, Sean. I never did anything like that. In my youth, I was a very kind man. And then the dark <laughs> In my times youth, happened. I was a kind man. <laughs> the dark times happened. I <laughs> uh, so I uh, another character gets introduced, the governor of the state that Springfield is in, uh, Mary Bailey orders an inspection of the nuclear power plant because that, of what happened. Does that name sound familiar to you, Mary Bailey? Mary Bailey. Mm, does it? No, I don't know if it does. Mary Bailey comes from one of probably the most culturally relevant movies of all time. Oh, yeah? Mary Bailey is George Bailey's wife, and it's a wonderful life. Oh, it's the same name. It's the exact same name. Do they do that because it's supposed to in, invoke feelings of like, oh, she's really nice. She's and, really nice. She's really happy. She's oh, the good one in this. Interesting. Where Burns will be the Citizen Kane, which we will get into more. Ah, yes. The Charles Foster Kane. 
Ah, yes, Mr. Burns. So Mary Bailey orders an inspection. And I, I, Homer is, you can kind of tell that Homer's maybe more like Republican because Mary Bailey is, I, I think they mentioned her being like independent, but it seems like she's more Democratic. And, and uh, we learn later on in the series, Burns is in the Republican National Con- Convention of Springfield. That is true. Uh, and uh, Homer uh, thinks that she should be doing something more productive instead of like, you know, going to his power plant and trying to like inspect things. And when Marge is like, well, like what? Uh, Homer thinks that President's Day is a ripoff. He feels like uh, uh, Washington and Lincoln's birthday should be separate holidays. Which he's right. They should be separate holidays. So you get two days off. Yeah. He, he says that he works really hard. And when Marge is like, oh, shouldn't you be getting to work? Homer goes, ah, someone will punch me in. <laughs> That's a great joke. <laughs> Did you notice what's on Homer's wrist at this moment? Uh, no, I don't know if I caught that. Homer has a digital watch on. And I'm going to point that out because throughout this like opening sequences here, this watch will appear and disappear over and over again from his wrist. Oh, weird. So it keeps popping in and out? It keeps popping in and out. And it's put there just for a plot device later on because Homer will wake up and actually look at his watch to know oh, what time right. it is. Oh, right. That's right. I, I forgot all about that. You're right. So it's uh it's basically just for that plot device because Homer very rarely wears a watch. Yeah, we'll see him in the power plant getting donuts, and he won't be wearing a watch at all, but it will come back when he wakes up. Interesting. Maybe he took it off to, to not eat? dirty the don't the I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I... Uh, the ins- now here here's something that I thought was really interesting. So the inspectors that come in, particularly the I think it's a woman with red hair and a, a, a black guy, as well as there's like a white guy as well. But a lot of these inspectors, we'll see them later in the series. They're the the uh, the like the the uh, nuclear safety commission that will come into the series multiple times and inspect the plant. Yeah, when Homer goes to college is one time I think <laughs> yeah. of them showing up. Oh, absolutely, that's the time I think of the most. I, I that might actually be the only one that pops up otherwise, uh, but yeah, they appear later. Uh, so they uh, uh, they start inspecting the plant, uh, and uh, one of the things they use is a Geiger counter. And for our listeners who are unaware, uh, Geiger counter is a device for measuring radioactivity, uh, and it, it detects and counts ionized particles. I, I don't really know a lot about how a Geiger counter specifically works, but there are multiple kinds and stuff like that, and it's like going off the scales. And and Burns is like, oh, I'm sure that's like the uh, uh, the same amount you'd notice in any nuclear power plant, hospital, school. Gum, uh, uh, by the way, gum was used to seal a crack in the cooling tower. Uh, a plutonium rod was used as a paperweight. Uh, and uh, uh, Burns was like, oh, you know, like how did that get there? Uh, uh, there was a pipe uh, that was, uh, I don't remember what was the issue with the pipe. Uh, Burns says it's always been like it that. It was leaking some like radioactive waste that burned through the clipboard. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, and uh, the uh, Homer messes up Burns one more time because he's napping and they count that as the monitoring station being unmanned. I mean, wouldn't you count a safety station with someone asleep as unmanned? I mean, there's a man there. It's just, yeah, okay, yeah, it's unmanned. Fair enough. Uh, so Burns tries to bribe the inspectors uh, because, you know, they they found 342 violations and uh, the inspector won't take it. Yeah, somebody left thousands and thousands of dollars laying out. 
Smithers, hopefully somebody somebody smart will pick it up. And I gotta say, this inspector's an idiot. I would have taken that money in a heartbeat. Maybe I'm not as noble as I was when I was younger, but man, I would take that money and run. I'd be like, well, $10,000, that's more than I'm making from this inspection job. Sure. I mean, that's a lot of violations. Like, I feel like when the plant goes nuclear and like Chernobyl's and they go to that inspector and they're like, what happened? And he's like, I, 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 I don't know. Oh, they must have been really good at covering up their mistakes. I don't know. I bet you they were doing things behind the scenes that they shouldn't have been doing. You lie and you take the money and run. <laughs> Knowing that you caused a Chernobyl. Uh, so uh, uh, Burns wants to know how much it would cost to get the, the plant up to, you know, up to you know where it should be, speed or whatever, up to speed. And uh, Smithers calculates it would be $56 million dollars. Which, honestly, it shouldn't be that much for Burns. We find out he's very, very rich later. But $56 million is a lot of money, and Burns isn't too happy about that. So we're given a shot of Homer on break. And Homer's on break eating donuts. Mm-hmm. And all that's left is plain donuts. And he is upset. Yes, he is. Let's talk about plain donuts for a second. I rather dislike plain donuts. I think if you like plain donuts and you pick them as a donut... You are a terrible human being, and I hate you. Who? Why do they even make plain donuts in donut shops? I, every time I go to a donut shop, they have, they're low on chocolate, they're low on powdered, they're low on peanut donuts, they're low on coconut, they're low on all the good stuff. But they've got racks of plain donuts. And they're like, I don't understand why all these plain donuts go to waste. It's because you're making plain donuts. I mean, sure, a plain donut is decent if you dip it in coffee, but you know what? I can dip any other donut in my coffee, and it's just as delicious. Mm-hmm. If you choose plain donuts, I don't like you. And I'm sorry if you're one of our listeners and you don't <laughs> like them, but I don't like you because that is wrong. You have picked the wrong donut, my friend. <sighs> oh, man. Uh, that just always really bugged me because I hate plain donuts so much. Yeah, they're pretty They're pretty crummy. Uh, so here's a question for you, Sean. Uh, so, so Homer is about to go back and fall back asleep at his station, uh, but... Burns grabs out a, a a bottle, like a decanter. Yeah, he's got a decanter in his desk. And and starts pouring. What kind of liquor do you think that is? Um, it looks like it's a brown liquor, so I'm going to guess a scotch or a whiskey. Okay, I, I can buy that. Uh, so he's, You typically don't drink a rum by itself. You mix a rum. Sure, sure. So I would lean towards scotch or whiskey because of that. Oh, I could see that. I can also, it's a classier that. kind of drink. Typically, it's associated. So yeah. I could see Burns going for something like a high-end scotch. I could see that. Uh, so the time goes from 5.05 to 9.30, uh, and Burns has been drinking the entire time. And Burns is an older guy. Like, he's probably pretty tanked. Oh, yeah. He's probably really tanked because he drinks the entire decanter. And he starts singing, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime by Bing, from Bing Crosby. I don't know if Bing Crosby was the first person to sing it, but I, I, I know his version the best. I... Uh, so uh, as Burns is stumbling sadly through his power plant, which has nobody in it, uh, you can see like there's long shots of him, like his voice echoing down halls. And it's almost kind of creepy. Uh, he ends up throwing the decanter and breaking the bottle and it wakes Homer up. Homer fell asleep. And so he says he calls up Marge at his station and says, oh, yeah, I got to, uh, you know, it's been a long day. And so here's a question for you, Sean. I. Homer essentially like worked a 12 hour day. 
So like four hours of OT. Do you think that's why Homer's able to stay afloat even though he doesn't make a ton at his job? It's all the like nights of him staying late, you know, because he passed out and getting OT and like basically like rooking his job. It could be. It could very well be. I like that he's got the watch on again in the scene, which was a plot device so he could look at mm-hmm. the time. Instead of just putting a clock behind him, that somebody went easier. through the effort of putting this whole watch on his wrist for one scene and one other scene. Occasionally putting the watch on yeah. him, really. Uh, so uh, so uh, Homer starts walking through the plant, and he goes to the parking lot, and he sees a car. And he hears the voice, and it's it's Burns still sadly singing, "Brother, can you spare a dime?" And uh, and like mumbling to himself and stuff. And so uh, Homer walks up and taps on the window and like scares Burns, and he's like, "You know, Mister Burns, are you okay?" And I mean, kudos for for Homer because like he doesn't like Mister Burns. Mister Burns doesn't treat him especially well, but Burns is sadly singing in his car, and so Homer's kind of worried. That's kind of worrying. So Homer does something that's kind of interesting for this scene. Mm-hmm. Homer says his name to Mr. Burns. He goes, oh, Homer, it's, uh, it's uh, Homer Simpson, sir. And Burns doesn't get to do the joke where he doesn't know who he is because Homer diffused that by saying his name right away. You know, though, I almost would argue against that. I think that Burns doesn't remember Homer because Homer just caused him to have another violation. That he has to like deal with and fix and like go through paperwork for. And he doesn't remember. He doesn't say, hey, you idiot, you're you were sleeping on the job earlier. That's true. Uh so Burns is also completely drunk at this point. And he he asks Homer, he's like staying late at the plant, like burning the midnight oil or whatever. And he's like, Oh, yes, sir. And Burns is like, We're a dying breed. And he falls into it. And uh and so like Burns starts confessing to Homer that they want to shut down the plant. And, uh, you know, Homer's like, well, it's a pity you're not governor. And Burns is like, what? And Homer's like, well, you know, it's just, I mean, you know, it's just like you can make the rules yourself. And Burns is like, running for governor would cost more than any honest man could afford. <laughs> and Homer's like, well, I mean, you could. And he's like, not that you're not honest, not that you're not honest. He's like, but you could because you have money and you're staring at me and I don't like that you're staring at me. Why are you staring at me? And Burns sobers up. Yeah, he sobers up real quick. Hopefully very quick because he then immediately starts to drive and he starts driving with Homer in the car. And Homer's like, where are we going? And Smith or and uh, Burns says to create a new and better world. And Homer says, well, can you drop me off along the way? Yeah, Burns is definitely drunk when he's driving Homer home. That's... Yeah, that's kind of scary. Uh, also, we le- later learn Burns doesn't know how to drive. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was probably really dangerous. Hopefully he stopped and let Homer take a- take the wheel. I hope so. Uh, also, where was Smithers? Why wasn't Smithers taking care of him? Burns said he didn't want uh, Smithers around. He kicked him out of the office and told him he wanted to be alone. You think a sycophant like Smithers would just leave and not stay in the parking lot to make sure he was okay? Oh, no, yeah, he totally would have normally. But this was a plot device to get Homer wrapped up in this. Uh, but uh, I do really love the smile when when it dawns on Burns that he can run for governor. I love that sly smile he's got. Uh, so Burns starts running for governor. I. Uh, and he finds from his advisors that 98% of voters finds Burns despicable or worse. 
So his advisors, did you make note of what his advisors do? Ah, by all means, Sean, let the listeners know. So I have a full list of his advisors here. He's got a speech writer, mm-hmm. a joke writer, yep. a spin doctor, uh-huh. a makeup man, yeah. a personal trainer. Oh, yeah. On the other side of the table yeah. are his muckraker, <laughs> his character assassin, his mudslinger, and his garbageologist. Do you know what a garbageologist is? I, I, I mean, I'm going to take a shot in the dark. And say that's not a thing. That is a thing. What? It's actually a double meaning in this joke. Uh Uh-huh. So a garbageologist in political terms is someone who goes through someone's trash to get dirt on them. Oh, like literally going through trash. Like literally goes through someone's trash to find dirt on them. A garbageologist who is not in political terms is someone who studies trash and waste from somewhere to find out what it is and what the problem is. Interesting. So a garbageologist has a double meaning in this episode. Huh. Interesting. Uh, so I love that entire lineup of, of people. Uh, that is great. I think the gar- garbageologist or garbage, 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 garbageologist? Garbageologist. Garbageologist. I it's a really that. hard one to say. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, uh, so I... It, it, the episode moves forward, and I, I, uh, they start filming a commercial, uh, and uh, I appreciate that Burns thinks smiles are trickery. <laughs> I love that not only does Burns think smiles are trickery, but when he is smiling, he says, "Oh, this is gonna hurt in the morning." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's just them talking about it. I think at this point, because uh, uh, Homer mentions that uh, Burns has uh, or he or Burns has his vote, or else he's fired. Uh, and uh, Marge is arguing that like you know Burns is rotten and stuff. And uh, Lisa feels like a Kennedy because they're having a political discussion. What is she gonna? Drive off a bridge or get shot? Too soon? Or not soon enough? Huh. I uh, so I uh, the I uh, I uh, I think it's the, the political advisor tells Burns though that like the first thing they have to address is is Blinky. And Burns says, I hate that fish. I <laughs> uh, and so uh, uh it cuts to uh like you know shots around Springfield and uh, one of them is at like the uh, retirement castle, uh, and it's a movie for a dreary afternoon. Uh, the uh, also the uh, state flag is says not just another state, which is not another or not a state flag. Uh, so uh, Abe Simpson hears it's Burns and wants Jasper to change the station. Is it because he knows Burns is just a rotten you know power plant owner? Or is it because Burns was the screw-up from his old World War II pl- platoon? I would assume that's what it really is if we were to take everything into continuity. <laughs> I would assume Abe hates him because of that. Yeah. Burns is also responsible for Abe's wife leaving him. Oh, yeah. In a strange way, Abe's wife leaves him because of Burns. So Burns has a horrible history with Abe Simpson. You're right. I never even dawned on me about that. Interesting. I, uh, 
So I, I love that when the commercial starts, Bird is making a tyrannical statement about uh, 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 how he's going to like rule over like these like, you know, miserable idiots and stuff. And he's like, oh, hello. And he starts a special on evolution uh, where he uh, uh, likens the, the third eye of Blinky not to chemical, you know, alteration or like, you know, because of nuclear waste, but it's just an evolution thing. He asks an actor portraying Charles Darwin. That's weird, right? Because, He's a superfish. Because Burns is probably running as a Republican. That seems very controversial as a Republican to run based on a theory of evolution. Superfish. But that's weird, right? I'm not the only one who stopped and thought, like, that is a weird thing. Superfish! <laughs> yeah, no, it is weird. Uh, okay. that, that is pretty weird. Uh, yeah. Superfish! Superfish. Uh, and so, I... I... Yeah, he kind of wins people over. People are like, oh, yeah, you know, this is the third eye. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I wouldn't mind having a third eye. Would you? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so the commercial goes over pretty well. Uh, now, Homer, I, uh, I, uh, is, uh, what is it? I, uh, what, what, how, the, the scene transitions to the Quickie Mart, right? We get a transition to the Quickie Mart. We get a bunch of shots of things going on throughout both of their campaigns. That's right. And uh, uh, for the record, uh, the reason I brought up the Quickie Mart is because you see Charlie leaving the Quickie Mart. So he must live around to Homer. Huh. I never really put two and two together, but he probably does. If, if he's going to a party store around Homer, yeah, he probably does. I uh, So I... Uh, the uh, I, I also... I, I really appreciate the fact that uh, uh, when they were trying to dig up anything on Mary Bailey... I uh, one of the, the only negative thing they could find was there was a dude who said that when they were 16, he felt her up. It's a weird thing to remember. Like, oh, yeah, I felt up that girl. <laughs> it's very weird, especially considering the fact that Mary Bailey is is depicted as quite old uh, you know, or, or older, uh, which means that it would have been some other older guy. Yeah, that was like bragging about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of a chauvinistic and unclassy move. Absolutely, but also weird. Like, how sad is that for that one guy who's like only saving grace is that he remembers the time he felt up the mayor when they were kids. Former mayor, governor. Oh, right, Go- governor. You're right. But governor. she was the former mayor of Springfield before Joe Quimby. Was she? Yes, that is mentioned. Interesting. I. So I I you know it, it shows shots of like the I I. You know, like the the Simpsons putting up signs and picketing and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, uh, newspapers start coming in. It says Burns nukes Bailey. Uh, I, I, it, it, uh, the, the polls are in and they see Burns as uh, imperial and godlike, but not common enough. So we're also given a shot that is straight out of the film Citizen Kane, where oh? Burns is at a uh, rally. It's got the big portrait of Burns behind uh, him, yes. where he's saying, "We're gonna take this to the fat cats in Washington." Uh-huh. That is straight out of Citizen Kane. You can watch those scenes side by side, and you can see where their inspiration came from. Because a lot of Citizen Kane is actually in this episode. Charles Foster Kane's run is basically the same as Burns. He has the same freak out at the end, which we'll get to later. But also, Burns gets the name Charles Montgomery Byrne for Charles Foster Kane. Oh, interesting! I didn't know that. I. Uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, I, and I mean, you know, Citizen Kane is hailed as like one of the 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 most important and greatest movies of like all time. So it makes sense that it's it's so easy for them to reference, and they'll reference it quite a lot throughout the Simpsons in general. I uh, now I uh, I uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, so I uh, in order to I uh, I uh, appeal to the common man. Uh, Burns has to have dinner with one of his employees. And so he they choose Homer. And uh, it's funny because Homer says, oh, by the way, the boss is coming for dinner. And she's like, what? Like, what do you mean? And so I... Uh, Bart and Lisa, like, I make a, a, I think it's a joke about how, like, you know, oh, like, there's trouble, you know, trouble here. And Homer gets serious and he's like, he kicks the kids out of the kitchen. So they get, I, I love this scene because the kids are like, oh, God, they're going to fight. And they run. And then Homer proceeds to beg Marge. He gets on his, like, knees and grovels to her. Which, sure, Marge may be against his political moves. But this is going to be really good for Homer's job if this dinner goes well. That is true. I uh, so I uh, so you know Homer kicks the kids out. He begs, and uh, Marge agrees to do it. I uh, and so like you know the 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 family's being like quizzed on like you know how it's going to go. I uh, we're also given a shot of them in bed where Marge is very upset. And Homer tries to snuggle with her. Ah, uh, yes. And she doesn't want to snuggle with a man who's bringing Burns into their house. Yeah, and I, uh, I, so the I, uh, you know, Homer or like you know, Marge is like you know, I I'm not happy with the fact that you won't let me express myself, which isn't exactly the exact phrasing I think I would use there, but but whatever, okay, fair enough. And I, uh, uh, he says that you can express yourself. Through the uh, the like your housekeeping and cooking, that's pretty crappy, right? Yeah, that's super sexist. But Marge cryptically agrees, and she says, "Yeah, yeah, you're right, Homer. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Homer. I, I absolutely can do that. I I will I will show my my you know uh, uh, express myself through my housekeeping and cooking and all this stuff." And Homer's like, "Okay." And so, you know, the family's been told to ask only questions on the card. Uh, they want the family to be affectionate, but he hates being touched. All, all these kind of rules and stuff. Uh, so, uh, which I think is also funny. Uh, in uh, All the characters are, uh, 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 for the family, are at in, like, director chairs. Like, those folding chairs. And even the cat and the dog are in those chairs, uh, getting, like, brushed. Uh, and Homer gets makeup put on him by the makeup guy from earlier in the episode. Uh, and the, the, the head of the campaign or whatever says, uh, or compares Homer to Tyrone Power. Are you familiar with Tyrone Power? I am, but please inform our listeners. Yeah, so uh, uh, he was an actor from like the 1930s to the 50s, and he was known for being really handsome. And for the record, he's a pretty attractive dude. Oh, yeah, he's super attractive. He's like, he's not Clark Gable, but he's super attractive. Absolutely. Clark Gable had just away with him with that mustache. Yeah, he was a handsome man. Uh, So, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. (laughs) What a hottie. Uh, So, Burns arrives, and he brought Noodle Kugel. Now, Sean, are you familiar with Noodle Kugel? No, what is it, Craig? It is a Jewish egg noodle casserole. I have never had that before. 
I haven't either. I feel like I like egg noodles. Do something about that. Yeah, I, I like egg noodles a lot. Uh, but it, I just thought it was kind of interesting that Burns brought a Jewish casserole dish. Yeah, that's very weird, especially because Burns kind of envies and abets the Nazis, we learn. Well, he made shells for the Nazis because he was a factory owner in World War II. He also fought in World War II against the Nazis. Yeah, it just doesn't add up. He stole paintings. Oh, God, the timeline just doesn't make any sense. It's almost like we shouldn't be taking it seriously, but we will anyway. Oh, God. I I could try a Jewish egg noodle dish. I'd be down for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of interested to try noodle kugel uh, at some point. We might have to do a Patreon special. (laughs) Patreon special. Food (laughs) from The Simpsons and we just eat it. That's all we do is eat food the entire time and force our listeners to listen to us eat. Oh, that sounds gross. I mean, eating sounds amazing, but I'm sure the sound would be gross. I... So, uh, the the Simpsons open the door and the dog rushes out, knocks Burns down, and the uh, and he gets back up and and Homer blames the dog. He's like bad neighbor's Neighbor dog. dog, and then Burns immediately gets taken down by the cat, <laughs> which I think is wonderful because that sort of sets up the gag that Burns is incredibly weak. No, I have a cat that is a pretty large cat, and if he were to jump on me, he could knock me down. You have a bobcat or something? Listen, my cat is a huge little beast. He weighs like 20-something pounds, okay? You got a puma? Kind of. Mountain lion? You got a cougar? You got a lynx? Listen, my cat is a little overweight. I can't help that he steals all the food from every other animal in the house. What do you what do you got, Garfield? You I feed think... that thing lasagna? Listen, Daniels is a fat boy, while Jack <laughs> is his boyfriend who's nice and quiet and calm. I love your cat's names. Uh, so, uh, so Burns uh, uh, handles the situation well. He he says he loves animals. No big deal. He 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 carries on, and it's great. Uh, so Bart, or or so I uh, I uh, uh, the family's going to say grace. You know, they sit down to dinner with Burns, and uh, this might be Burns' smoothest part of the entire episode. Oh, it really is. So uh, they ask Bart to say grace. And he says that they paid for all the food. So thanks for nothing, God. (laughs) Which I have said before when I was younger at a table when I said grace. (laughs) That's awesome. And my mother wasn't too thrilled. We very rarely said grace. Uh, It was, I think, uh, for my grandparents. And uh, they didn't think it was as funny as I did, this line from The Simpsons. I stole Rub-A-Dub-Dub thanks for the grub. (laughs) And said that at one point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wonderful. I uh, so I I I I, I so, or, or so so you know I I Homer asks his question from the card. Burns going back to the oh, yeah. Bart saying Grace. Burns has a great oh, sure, line sure. where he says, "Only a child whose innocence is there could get away with such blasphemy." God bless them. Yeah, he saves that. that He's that doing is so on good. Point. Like that is a moment you see and you watch. Like you're like, oh, that's a smooth talker right there. Absolutely. And so so Homer asks a political question, and Burns is like, "Oh, well, I didn't think this would." Be be a, a you know to turn into a political debate and homer's like i was only reading the card and burns cuts him off and immediately starts talking and talking about like you know lowering taxes uh and so lisa or no so burns looks to lisa and he's like do you have a question for your uncle monty and she's like yes your political campaign has the 
uh, 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 what is it? Uh, the momentum of a runaway freight train. Yes, momentum of a runaway freight uh, freight train, and and she gets up. Like she asks the question, Burns starts talking, and she immediately takes her plate and goes into the kitchen. And Burns is so into the political moment, and he's just yelling about how he's going to lower taxes and and all this stuff. And he just ignores the fact that Lisa just wanders off after asking the question. Which, even though she doesn't want to do it, that's pretty rude from Lisa to ask a question and walk away. It is, but I do feel like if 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 your question isn't really answered, it's just sort of like. You know, I mean, it's, Burns doesn't even talk to her. She he talks to like the TV camera, and so like I, I it is rude, I for sure. But I do feel like it's like, well, I mean, to hell with him. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, Burns is evil, pure evil. And in fact, Lisa gets in the kitchen and tells her mom that she feels like she is a tool of evil. But Marge says, "Give your mother the benefit of the doubt." Marge is real conniving in this plot. Oh, she yeah. Has. She absolutely is. Marge is absolutely shrewd in this uh, moment, in, in this episode, I even, I should say. Uh, and she comes out with the main dish, and she puts it on the table and takes the platter off. And it is fish that they're having, but it's not just any fish. What fish is it, Craig? They're serving up Blinky. Okay, so I got to ask a question about this. Let's let's break the illusion of the episode for a mm-hmm. second and ask the question. Sure. Where the hell is everybody getting Blinky from? Burns has Blinky in his office for his Charles Darwin's getting, and then Marge has it later. The kids fished it out. We later learn that all the fish are like this from this pond. Yeah, I, I assume that they the the name Blinky is given as like sort of like a cute name, but like really the original Blinky is dead. He, yeah. He was ca- he was caught by Bart and was is about to be eaten by Mr. Burns. But also, he was owned by Burns at one point and was in the Charles Darwin commercial. Like, the Blinky timeline doesn't add up. There have to be a lot of <laughs> Blinkies that all look exactly the same. Parallel universe Blinkies! <laughs> uh, oh, God, it's it's into the Blinkyverse. Oh, my God. I can't wait till Hobo Blinky shows up and he hangs out with Noir Blinky. An anime Blinky. I'm so excited for... Cartoon Blinky, the one we're talking about right now, I guess. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so Burns' his shudder is so good. He's just like, ugh, he's just so mad because he hates that fish. And I, uh, so I, uh, Burns takes a piece of the fish. Also, what a bitch move from March. She gives the fish head to Burns. Well, there's some parts of the fish that are better tasting than other parts. Yeah, but the fish head, really? You're going to give the head to Burns? I mean, Marge doesn't like him, so yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Burns goes to take a bite, puts it in his mouth, attempts to chew, and just spits it right out. It flies through the air. The reporters take pictures of it. It hits the ground, and all the reporters are already gone, and his campaign manager says, ruin before it even hit the ground. Dave Shutton remarks outside of the Simpsons house that Burns can't swallow his own story. It's a good headline. It's pretty good. <laughs> Shutton's got a good headline. He really does. And so they are in the, uh, what would it be? The family room, not the living room, not the den. They'd be in the family room, the room yep. with a piano. Uh, and uh, Burns says 
you know, there's still time. What can we do to fix this? And the campaign manager is like, it's ruined. It's over. And they walk out and leave. His campaign staff quit, essentially. And Burns starts wrecking up the place. Yeah, he starts pulling a Citizen Kane and wrecking up the place. Yeah, so uh, uh, explain the scene when it comes to Citizen Kane a little bit, uh, uh, Sean. This is I, I'm not as familiar with Citizen Kane, uh, so I, I know a, a good outline of it and the gist of it. But like, so so how how does this scene so, compare? Orson Welles, Charles Foster Kane, is very upset with a like rotten political run, and he starts wrecking his house essentially, breaking things that are on the wall, throwing things, and it's basically what Burns does in The Simpsons House, where he'll flip the table, and Lisa comes up and she asks a question to him. What will ruining our meager possessions do? I also love that Burns yells uh, uh, to break something and Homer like throws the lamp over, like (laughs) knocks it over. And uh, uh, Burns agrees and tells Smithers that there are things that are more expensive and tasteful at his mansion he could destroy. And so they start to leave. And Burns tells Smithers that I, uh, even though this anonymous clan of slack-jawed troglodytes cost him the election, he couldn't have them killed. And that's democracy for you. That line sums up Burns pretty well. He would be willing to have people murdered if it was if he could get away with it. Well, yeah, he would have Crusher and Lobo kill people if he could. <laughs> Hired goons are so much more personal than telephone calls. I uh, so Burns curses Homer and says that all of his dreams will go un. He will do everything in his power to make sure that all of his dreams go unfulfilled. And Homer's kind of shooken up by this. It's his boss. He has every yeah. right to be upset about that. Like, if my boss, like one of my direct leaders or managers at work, was like, I'm going to make sure that your dreams go unfulfilled. I'd find a new job and move yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I. Uh, so Homer is upset about this, and and he doesn't know what to do. And and Marge tells him that you know, uh, you know, no man can can break, stop, and destroy the dreams when that person's dreams are like you know, sleeping in on a Saturday and eating pork rinds and doing all the lazy stuff Homer loves and snuggling with his wife. And yeah, and snuggling with his wife. And uh, Homer says, you know, like, oh hey, you made it better, and that's how the episode ends. A good and timely episode. Reminds me a lot of Lex Luthor's presidential campaign. Yeah, it, it kind of does. Reminds me of Lex Luthor. It's so weird. I can't believe anyone voted for a supervillain for president. It's so... Who would do that? What a weird comic story. Who would right? do that? Who would do that ever? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Sean, tell me. And I feel like I might know your answer already, but what do you think is the lasting impact of this episode? The lasting impact for me personally in this episode is this episode gave Burns character. Burns was always the boss. He was Mm -hmm. the evil boss, but this gave him more character for who he was. And we got to start seeing Burns outside of the power plant to the point where he'll eventually block out the sun and be a villain. Oh, yeah, that, that is absolutely what I have as well, is Burns is a full-on villain in this episode. Burns doesn't want to have to pay the money to get his plant up to code. 
up to code. It is a nuclear power plant, Sean. A nuclear goddamn power plant. If there's an issue with a nuclear power plant, it's not like a solar panel is like, oh, no, it's loose and it might hurt somebody. It'll kill thousands and thousands of people. I mean, maybe millions. All forms of electricity could kill people. Solar panels could fall. You know, aqua power, the dam could break windmills cause cancer you know it's one of these things that just kind of happens listen here sean i think we can all agree that nuclear power is a fairly clean source of energy when your plant is up to code and doesn't explode yeah ask the people about pripyat about that and see how it goes yeah seriously Oof. So so Burns is a full on villain. He wants to become governor so he doesn't have to pay money and can stop it. So, you know, make sure that his, his you know, nobody tries to you know shut his plant down for being unsafe. Uh, he's rotten in this episode. He is like super evil. And yeah, that's the lasting impact is Burns is, is, is a full on villain. Not only a full-on villain, but he's characterized better. Oh, sure, I, I absolutely agree with that too. You know, you you almost kind of feel bad for Burns when he's like drunk and like singing, "Brother, can you spare a dime?" It's sad. Yeah, sad that he can't keep his plant up to code. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, so shot. I uh, I think it's about time that we 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 wrap up this episode here. But I I I, I wanted to touch base with you about I. Uh, our Patreon, of course, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, for our listeners uh, who are interested in more content from me and Sean, we have Smartline. It's a bi-monthly special where you can hear Sean and I touching base about uh, different characters each month, different topics. Previously, we've covered like Homer and Bart and like the Tracy Ullman shorts and stuff, uh, which has been a ton of fun. Yeah, we got some fun things coming up for that for any of our listeners who are interested. Absolutely, yeah. We got we, some really stupid topics. <laughs> well, one I'm really happy about that we got to do. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have some fun stuff coming your way. So if you want that extra content and extra content for all of the GameZilla Media shows, uh, all the shows on the network have some bonus stuff and bonus features on Patreon, go ahead and go to www.patreon.com slash Media, where you're going to be able to uh, sign up for our uh, Patreon page and for as little as $5 per month, you get the bonus uh, extra content. And then uh, all the other shows have extra features as well for even as little as $1. Uh, So make sure to check that out. Uh, But otherwise, we definitely appreciate you guys listening in. And uh, we will catch you on the next episode of Noiseland Arcade.